Hello, this is All Rings Considered, episode 48, covering book 5, chapter 5, The Ride of the Rohirrim. It is a relatively brief chapter, which is kind of a relief after the really long chapter we just finished with book 5, chapter 4. In this chapter, we actually flash back to the Rohirrim approaching Gondor to fight in the battle. They are in the woods, and they are helped through the woods around a an encampment of orcs uh, by the wild men of the forest, also called the Wood Woesies. The wild men help them through the forest. The Rohirrim make it to Gondor, and the chapter ends with them riding into battle, which was, as you might recall, where the last chapter had ended as well. So we're now caught up from both perspectives, the Gondor and the Rohan perspective, uh, to get us into this battle. Um, yeah, so short chapter, and... Not too much going on here thematically. I only got like a couple things to pick out. I think we should talk first about the wild men themselves, these wood woesies, and sure. what their deal is. Uh, do you want to take that, Pip? Yes. Um, so there's uh, nothing to read into here. They uh, they just exist for this chapter, and then um, they're gone. So done. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I'm is. kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, actually, I I really do like this chapter. Um, and one thing I that I got thinking about this chapter kind of like brought to my mind was that there is um, a style of interweaving different narratives uh, that different authors uh, take, where you see things from different characters' perspectives, right? And so you get different stories, um, you know, one big story, but you get different stories from, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, this book does the same thing. You know, you get different story from Pippin versus Merry um, versus Frodo. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa. Yeah. I'm blowing your mind here a little bit. But, oh, you know, buckle up. Because (laughs) um, (laughs) um, what what I like actually about this book is that um, there are narratives on different time scales so there's a touching point here between the um the pickle men uh the wood woodland men and the story of the rohirrim those that that people's story right um and there's a touch point here um but they are stories that are they're on different time scales uh it's it's their own uh collection of narratives that are you know, ha- having an interaction, right? Um, okay, wait, I like confused what you mean by time scales. Like, what, what do you mean by yeah, so, time scale? So you get stories, I mean, in The Lord of the Rings, you have, um, like, you have Gandalf's story, right? Which is, okay. uh, like, it, one, that's a character story, right? So it's his his narrative. And that's actually a fairly, like, long uh, expanse of time. Um, but you also get the story of the Rohirrim. Right, which is, uh, it's a story that is, I mean, maybe I don't want to say meta story, but it's like it's a um, it's a narrative collection. It's uh, it's over a expanse of time that's longer than just one person, right? And so you get this layering of stories, uh, like the story of the elves. Right, the story of the elves is a really long story. Um, but the story of the Rohirrim is a story of men, but it's smaller and it fits it, you know, it's layered on top, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but you get this interlayering where there's uh, stories at different scale. That is the best way to say it, I guess. Um, 
That's and, different. And, and where where do the wild men fall on this scale? Well, are they like an elf scale? Are they a Rohan scale? So you don't. I guess you don't really get the an exact uh, like timeline for them, but you get the sense that they're very old, right? Because you, yeah. there are these statues that are. Uh, I mean, they're a bit mysterious. Well, right? they they say that they predate the Numenorians, so they predate Gondor, right? Uh, and therefore Rohan too. So yeah, definitely old. Um, but I like that it's it's sort of this uh, like this story that we're getting of uh, you know um, uh, oh, I forgot if it's Mary Pippin. I'm pretty bad at this. Um, Mary, uh, yes. you know, uh, observing this interaction between the king of you know uh, the writers and um, you know a leader of uh, of these people. Um, this is a little story that we're reading, right? But it's a narrative that is um, uh, has a place in both of these different people's longer uh, threads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. Uh, as a and as a Tolkien reader, I approve of this. All right, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and I think here you're seeing a sort of repetition of the same thing. Remember, I mean, Tolkien conceives of the universe is somewhat iterative um and always eternally looping over the same themes uh coming out again and again and he does that in this book and i think you see a similar theme here that you saw with the ents that you saw with bombadil a sense that um even these old ancient things that might not have a direct stake in this battle um are going to go ahead and kind of come up come out and help Mm -hmm. in some way Whatever that way is. And, and I think you said it here. So you had men that predate Gondor because there were some men that did. And they themselves are going to contribute in their own little way to helping defeat Sauron. So just showing how existential this threat is and showing how all these different sides um, are ultimately teaming, teaming up, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Oh, before before uh, we move on, I, I just want to say I love that little scene of um, of Mary kind of like sneaking up and observing the uh, the conversation between Theoden and uh, um, uh, one of the wild men um, mm-hmm. because uh, this is such a Hobbit thing to do um, to be unobserved to you know kind of sneak up and uh, you know watch uh, a conversation that you're not supposed to hear really um, I don't know it kind of puts a little uh, yeah a Hobbit. Uh, uh, warmth in my heart. Oh, good. I saw it as a, just a narrative device to get uh, involved <laughs> in the conversation, but that's it. That's the justification to get us some Hobbit warmth. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. It, um, that's about all I have to say about the Woodwozies. Oh no, I was going to make the point that um, Woodwozies. The term is seen in Middle English, um, and the related term is seen in Old English. So it's not totally an invention of Tolkien's in Middle English. Tolkien actually saw it himself in the poem of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh, and I believe there Tolkien translated it as like wood trolls or something. So mm. he saw it as a bit more monstrous. But I think it's still reasonable to expect in Tolkien's mind, oh, the people would have seen these sort of wild people in the woods and thought of them as kind of monsters. And, you know, their leader here, Gomburygon, does kind of come across monstery sometimes with the way his beard is described and his limbs are described. And he's kind of, he, he looks like a stone statue which is weird for a person. Um, so you can see that. So good little bit of um, medieval etymology there for, for Tolkien. And uh, on that note, let's uh, move to the second part of this chapter, the Rohirrim's approach to Gondor.
Uh, th- this is what I think most people actually remember from this chapter, by the way. Gone, yeah. very gone, and his men might be the most forgettable chapter in the book. And quite frankly, I think the only reason I ever do remember it is because it is so forgettable that it almost stands out as, oh my gosh, that's ridiculously absurdly forgettable. <laughs> I actually, and, I did forget it last episode. Yeah, see? Yeah. Um, that, and I swear, that's the only reason I remember it. I, I never even remember the detail. I just remember that it exists. That it's like at some point in this book, <laughs> this happens. And I only remember it because how weird that is, um, or not weird, I guess, but, but just pointless, um, seemingly. Um, I, that, that sounds harsh, I know, but it is, it is. If, if I had to pick a single chapter in Lord of the Rings to cut, I think it's got to be this one. I mean, the back half here is good. I couldn't it's not, cut it's not the even, back it's, half. It's not even a half, though. It's only like two pages. Yeah, but it's some That's of the good. best. It is some of the best. Maybe we can move that into the next chapter. I don't know, but the Gombury Gone stuff is just kind of not really there, I think, for a good reason. So, I whatever. Um, it's got a point, yeah, but it's also the same point we've seen, so I, I, whatever. And look at that, people. I am capable of criticizing the Lord of the Rings. So, there. Um, but yeah, back half of this chapter. Really cool. So, we're, we're here, I've gone out of the woods. No more wild men. Um, they're writing to Gondor. And here's when we get a lot of cool dialogue and cool descriptions as they prepare for battle. So we get some cool speeches from Theoden, a couple of them, actually. Um, yeah. We get some cool descriptions. It's definitely a Theoden-heavy back half, too. Like, Theoden's the guy who's the star of the show here uh, in a major way. Um, So I, I figured, at least for me, all I really have to comment on from here on out are just some of the specific speeches and things uh, Theoden gives. Sure. And some of the specific descriptions. So I'm going to start with one here. I want to read it uh, to you. And actually, Pip, I want to see if you pick up and you hear the same thing I'm hearing when I heard this. I thought it was kind of strange. Okay. Um, at one point, Theoden tells his writers, Now is the hour come, writers of the mark, sons of Aeorl. Foes and fire are before you, and your homes far behind. Yet, though you fight upon an alien field, the glory that you reap there shall be your own forever. O see have taken... Now fulfill them all to Lord and land and league of friendship. Uh, I read that and it kind of jumped out at me. A couple a couple strange sounding words jumped out at me. The Rohirrim always talk in very, well, their, their, their language Tolkien renders as Old English, which is this really old Germanic language, even when he then is having them speak in the equivalent of modern English for the book, he tends to keep their words vocabulary pretty like germanic sounding and not as romance or latin based sounding mm-hmm. but here you had a few a few romance words crop up and, and i think a couple of them uh, they're they're fine they don't really strike me as odd like glory is uh latin based league is latin based uh both those come from latin but i think they kind of fit to me i thought it was alien that really yeah. leapt out at me as Absolutely. sort of strange sounding yeah I actually very i cut that um as i had the list of like quotes from that i I was like, oh, good quotes from the chapter. Um, and I cut it right before the sentence that said alien because I thought, ah, oh, it just sounds, I mean, yeah. it sounds a little strange, right? Um, it is, yeah. It is. It, it, I, but I think, as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, what better place to put a strange Latin-based sounding words here for alien, right? Alien meaning, coming from Latin, alius, other, the foreign, the uh, different from you. And he uses the word to describe a place that's different from you with a word that is not of his language i think that's maybe deliberate so cool little linguistic touch there perhaps perhaps um i don't claim to know that for sure but struck me 
Yeah, and then I think the next little speech he gives, he ends it with um, fourth now and fear no darkness, which I just think is the coolest line and um, one of my favorites from this chapter, actually. And Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I, I love, uh, I know we don't talk much about the movies in this podcast, but uh, got to give a shout out to Bernard Hill's performance as David in the movie where he actually got that line to deliver and just did really good with it. Yeah. Did really well with it. So, which is crazy because that's not an easy line. I can't imagine any actor seeing that and being like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> and he nailed it. Um, and he made it sound awesome. So that's really cool. The last bit I want to talk about with this speech is on the last page of this chapter when Theoden gives a speech and it, it's, it, it Tolkien italicizes it because it turns into a verse. And um, it says here that uh, Theoden cries, quote, in a loud voice, more clear than any there had ever heard a mortal man achieve before. And he says, arise, arise, writers of Theoden, fell deeds awake, fire and slaughter, spear shall be shaken, shield be splintered, a sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises, ride now, ride now, ride to Gondor. It's a cool speech, um, but I just want to highlight again the uh, alliterative meter that this speech has, turning it into a kind of song or a poem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, a pre- by the, I'm impressed with Theoden here because he was able to come up with this seemingly on the fly. Uh, he had some time. He must have. He must have been thinking this he had over some time, in, his, yeah. in his bed, like, you know, early night, thinking, "Oh gosh, what am I going to say? I got to compose a little poem here." Um, so it's very much in line with the Rohirric poetry, but it's just sort of belted out by him, and it's it's a cool um bit of poetry there so yeah good chapter what do you what do you got yeah i i love all the stuff um from theoden's speeches uh it is one of those it's one of those uh parts of this book where my hair stands on end right where i read Mm -hmm. it and you just get this this chilling uh feeling um and i think what makes uh these Parts so good is that Tolkien is also really good at describing um, that uh, not horror because that's that's kind of more of a um, scary movie thing, but um, despair, right? Tolkien also he contrasts this really well, and you get this scene um, where Mary sees uh, Theoden, and mm-hmm. they're right before the charge, and I, I'm I'm just going to read this part where it's Theoden uh, halting, and Mary has doubts about whether. You know, it was all a failure. Um, Mm -hmm. At last he halted once again. The city was now nearer. A smell of burning was in the air and a very shadow of death. The horses were uneasy. But the king sat upon Snowmane, motionless, gazing upon the agony of Minas Tirith as if stricken suddenly by anguish or dread. He seemed to shrink down, cowed by age. Mary himself felt as if a great weight of horror and doubt had settled on him. His heart beat slowly. Time seemed poised in uncertainty. They were too late. Too late was worse than never. Perhaps Theoden would quail, bow his old head, turn, slink away to hide in the hills. Um, and the just thing that's so great, there's this, uh, you know, storm element of, uh, uh, you know, very, like, weather uh, component of uh, this you know, part of the uh, chapter. Um, there's this, you know, great strike of lightning, right, that arouses, uh, you know, Theoden out of this. And you just get this sort of like, I mean, it's, you know, uh, a theme we've seen plenty of times before, but it's, oh, hey, this is now when it matters. Theoden, you have been, had this challenge before where you had to overcome uh, doubt and you see him do it again, right, when it matters. Yeah. 
right? Um, really highlighting again, based on what we just saw last chapter, that this guy is the antithesis of Denethor. Yes. He's leading in the oh, exact yeah. right way while Denethor is a complete failure. And he's and he's presented with this, you know, I mean, literally the same evil, right? Because it's uh, orcs and yeah. Oswald, right? But yeah. um, but he's like, ah, there he, he is there and the city is in ruin. And what does he do, right? So um, that's great. Actually, I don't remember the lightning... Let me ask an expert here, Charlie. Um, was that Gandalf? Yeah, the, the lightning is last chapter. It is when Grond breaks the gate. There's a, there's a flash of oh. searing lightning. Okay. Uh, sort of implying that it's not just Grond. That there's some kind of witch king magic going on there. Or maybe right. it is Grond, but Grond is some kind of magic of his own or its own rather. Um, but yeah, that, that's the lightning they're seeing. So they're seeing the gate collapse. Gotcha. Uh, when that comes up, yeah. All right. Um, where were we? Are we done? I think we're, we're done. Through. We we're have through. a. I mean, we have a very horrible choice to make. What is the favorite line of this chapter? It's yeah. Well, I I, I got it. I. It did take me a while to figure out which one I wanted to pick, but I ended up picking one, and I deliberately did not read it out to you guys. So here it is. Okay. Um, very end. Theoden is running into battle, and Tolkien says he. <clears throat> he says this about him. Fay he seemed, or the battle fury of his fathers ran like new fire in his veins, and he was borne up on snowmane like a god of old, even as Orome the Great in the Battle of the Valar when the world was young. It's fantastic. Great description. Sort of elevating Theoden into this like mythical status, right? I don't know the Silmarillion well enough or remember it well enough to tell you much about what it's referring to here with the Battle of the Valar. Well, maybe. But I don't even uh... need to know. Some future podcast could, uh, oh, maybe help well, let's, uh, you let's and finish this book. Let's finish this book. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't need to know. You know what I mean? I think that's the power of the line, right? You don't need to need to know. Just and you wouldn't know if you were reading this. That's, um, yeah, exactly. When it came out. Yeah, so it's kind of okay, and it's just a cool. It's a great way to make you feel like you're a part of this, or that you're reading something from a real world, right? Mm-hmm. Great line. Yeah, yeah. my favorite got? actually comes from the same paragraph right before it. Um, Behind him, his banner blew in the wind, white horse upon a field of green, but he outpaced it. Um, and I love it because I just, there's yeah. some sense of like, he's he's in, I mean, you know, so physically he is in front of, you know, his banner uh, bearer, right? Um, but the imagery of his symbol he is in front so his symbol is white horse upon a field of green on his banner right um uh, i believe that's correct um but he is in front of the symbol itself right he is actually not just he is being the representation so he like just elevated to godhood status right is um he is actually uh beyond just the uh he's like representing that idea so yeah Great stuff. Great stuff. Okay. You know what? Heck um, of a book. Heck of a book. Despite all the doubters out there. You know, it's been a while. Can I read off one shit said about Tolkien before you go we for it. Yeah. sign off? So it's been too long since we looked at this. Some shit said about Tolkien, which, uh, remember, is our collection of the lovely things people write about this book or any of Tolkien's books that I find online, um, all of which are so weird. Um, so this, this one... I, I don't know if I got this one from you, Pip, and I apologize if I did. I, I'm just re-looking at the Twitter account. 
it, it, this one, this person said that uh, Lord of the Rings uh, doesn't make any kind of useful or profound point. It's a simple adventure story with pretensions of profundity written by a religious man who thought the idea of evil being a tangible object was profound. Yeah, I. Yeah. this did come from somebody on my Facebook was asking about the Lord of the Rings because they hadn't read it. Got it. And um, someone said this. Um, they said actually a whole bunch of other stuff and it like very clear they have never read this book. <laughs> like, very clearly. Yeah. I, like, I want to give them a shout out for using the word profound three times in two sentences. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have profound, profundity, and then profound again. So good job. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I also love like the subtle day that Tolkien was. Did you guys know this? He was religious. Yeah. As if that, that just invalidates uh, anything um fantastic wow what an assessment um you know i i have been meaning to mention on the cast mm. uh as i'm gonna call it from now on um mm. that that's funny i'm uh, gonna call it the potty <laughs> <laughs> well regardless uh that tolkien's views really were was that evil uh the ring was just just a ring right a lot yeah. of the stuff that yeah. we've been talking about uh you know like in the first uh you know book um uh mm -hmm. is is all really just garbage uh yeah it was just a ring really you know what i hate i hate when english teachers make you do something they're like oh but <laughs> why does the ring mean this you know what sometimes a ring is just a ring you yeah. know what i'm saying and they don't these english teachers don't get that so don't wait just wait once i graduate high school next year i'm gonna show <laughs> i'll show them i'll show them well, What's next? I'm talking what about we, this uh, completely not up? profound book whatsoever. Next, we have book five, chapter six, The Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Exciting chapter. We're back to the epic. Um, not that we really left it, I guess, but back to that um, epic battle, at least, uh, in front of Minas Tirith. So should be a good episode. We will see you all then.